You're listening to the Cannabis Investing Network. Before we begin, a short disclaimer. The full disclaimer follows at the end of this episode. This podcast is a general communication and is being provided for entertainment and information purposes only. It is educational in nature and is not designed to be a recommendation for any specific investment strategy, plan, feature, or other purpose. Please enjoy responsibly. Hello, and welcome back to the Cannabis Investing Network podcast. You are joined here today with Abby. It is, um, we're recording here uh, January 23rd. It's a Sunday in 2022. This episode will be coming out this Wednesday, which is the 26th. So that's probably when you guys will be hearing it. Um, I am actually joined here with someone who's been on here before. He is who we refer to as our political correspondent. Um, we've got uh, Mr. Jason on here. Jason, how are you doing? I'm well, Abby. Uh, thanks for thanks for having me back. Thanks for uh, using my political wits for, uh, for this podcast. <laughs> no problem, no problem. And Jason, you know, a lot a lot has changed since you've been last since you've last come on. But also at the same time, not really much has changed. I would say the That's biggest right. change has been in sentiment and and my profits. <laughs> Or lack thereof. That's right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Don't worry. I, I, I'm in the boat with you. I'm in the boat with you <laughs> over there. It was funny. Right before we were recording, Jason and I were – so I'm in Toronto. Jason's down in Cleveland. Both uh, very cold uh, places <laughs> this year. And uh, you guys just got hit with a pretty bad snowstorm, eh? That's right. Yeah. We've got about oh two two feet now blustering out there. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, we had um, we our ours ours was pretty bad, and uh, I, I was jokingly saying, you know, if you ever do want to run for office, our uh, our our leader here, Doug Ford, is a member of parliament, was walking around with a shovel, shoveling cars out of the driveway. So, Jason, you know, get your shovel ready. <laughs> yeah, one vote at a time, one one back thing at a time. We'll get <laughs> exactly, there. exactly. Oh man, it's too funny. It keeps the mind off of the uh, the sector to find things on the weekends, like like shoveling snow. The peace of mind <laughs> puts things into perspective. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shoveling snow relieves the anxiety <laughs> of the cannabis <laughs> dips, more or less. Briefly, <laughs> but um, but no, Jason. You know, it's great to have you back on here. Um, you know, since our our last discussion uh, was very insightful. You know, you you kind of showed us. Uh, a glimpse into what actually happens in Washington, right? And one of the things that I really liked about having you on was that you took more of a realist lens. You know, you weren't pessimistic, you weren't optimistic. You were like, hey guys, this is actually what happens. And we went right down the middle. Um, And if a lot of people listen to that episode, which you can pull up um, and, you know, even just follow Jason's uh, Reddit post, um, you were actually, I don't want to say spot on, but you were were very accurate in the events that were going to occur. Right, there were certain things, obviously, that were beyond your 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 control there. But um, I'd say, of all the people who were predicting what was going to happen politically, you were you were probably the most accurate person. Wow! So well, congrats. I, I appreciate. I mean, I wish I was. I wish I was dead wrong, right? Because it would have uh, for yeah. the sector meant a lot more. But um, again, I, I in my posts, I really try to be as um, objective as I can. And and something we'll talk about today is, you know, when when the senators are telegraphing their positions to you, you just have to listen because their job is to be as as straightforward and communicative of what they want. Um, in, in fact, when they are being more elusive and they're sort of hiding some of the things of what they're doing, that's 
that's when you're more likely going to see uh, movement. And so we knew uh, by and large what was going to happen. And the only the only way you would have thought something would would change or adjust was if indeed all of the things we were hearing were were um, inaccurate or there were behind the scenes moves that were just radical. And I, I, in my experience in Washington, you don't see that as often as you might assume if you watch, say, House of Cards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Maybe, maybe you see less of it in, in the West Wing, right? That's right. Again, we talked about <laughs> Veep. You know, it's it's not a it's not an optimistic world, but it's definitely not as conspiratorial as some might make you think. Well, you know that that's going to be pretty funny because some of the topics that we're going to be uh, going through um, have a, a conspiracy esque <laughs> nature to them. Right? That's right. One of them is follow the money, and you got to <laughs> say it like that. That's right. You got to say it like that. And then you need to get out your large magnifying glass and dig deep and start looking. No, it's oh, all there. I have, I have a full on like, like, like little bulletin board here with pictures and hooks and red string connecting to yeah. all of the names. <laughs> exactly. Pepe. Yeah, I get it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, well to, the nice sorry, thing about uh, the nice thing about American politics is that um, disclosures have to happen. And so uh, you can go online and I'm actually staring at, at a several screens in preparation that show um, all of the money and where it goes and which members are getting it. And uh, you can you can ask a question, you know, is someone doing something because of, of money? And then you can find out if that seems relevant or not. And so I keep coming back when you and I talk to my portfolio and everyone's portfolio. This is a podcast about investing. Mm -hmm. And if you are, you know, thoughtful about your money, then you're going to want honest answers and you're not going to want just the most uh, exciting possibilities. So, so that's why we try to be as, as objective as we can. Yeah. And you know what, we'll, we'll, uh, if, if you're comfortable with it, you know, I'd love to look, I'd love a link of that to that pot, uh, to that uh, website as well. Right. That'd be pretty cool. We can put post it with the comments. If people want to follow along. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't even know a website like that existed. I'm, I'm sure there was one, but I know it was like, you know, I never thought to go look at it like that. That's right. Opensecrets.org is the, is the go-to. There's um, FEC, right? The Federal Election Commission has a website where you can just find the PDF scans of the forms you have to fill out and, and send. And as I look, I can see how much Canopy, Canopy Growth put in in 2019 and 2020. And um, we'll get into it, but uh, there isn't enough going in if you want to make uh, the needle move. Oh wow! Okay, that's something. To, that's something to to keep into consideration. And, and I mean, you know, we can get deeper and deeper into it. But how much money typically, like, what's the average? You know, what does like tobacco spend? What does, um, you know, oil and gas or any of the other lobbies? What do they typically spend? Yeah. So um, rather than pulling up some of the larger sectors, I, I can just give a couple examples. Um, Molson Coors, so one one major conglomerate in the uh, alcohol industry, spent uh, about three point four million in, in twenty eighteen, uh, whereas the entire marijuana lobbying uh, industry, the entire sector, everybody that put money forward was two point one million in twenty eighteen. Wow. So. Um, just Molson Coors alone, Anheuser-Busch was 4.1 million. Um, if you, if you're data geeks out there and you go and you can make your spreadsheets and find all of this, but the, the simple takeaway is that when True Leave or, or, uh, Columbia Care, I'm looking at them when they put 140,000 or 120,000 in, yeah. um, and I won't speak to the businesses. I don't know how much revenue they, they can put forward and profits they can put forward, but that's, that's, that's paling in comparison there are small nonprofits in in you know the midwest that put that much toward lobbying so you want to make a move in washington it's not just that you pay people it's not it's not bribing but it is it is uh, battling large sectors that spend 
billions and billions of dollars, mm -hmm. uh, you need to make a dent. Otherwise, and, and we talk about this a lot, is cannabis as big of an issue in politics as we all in our particular corner of the world think it is? And not only is it not, but the money is, is sort <laughs> of showing that. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's actually very true. The money is very indicative of that the entire sector spent less than one company from, al from the alcohol sector. So that's right. Oh man, I, I was I was hoping for larger numbers, but uh, hey, I guess it's the reality that we live in. And that goes, and that you know, that segues really nicely into our agenda over here. Um, pretty much, Jason, you posted this insane article. Um, you know, I had to copy it onto Word to read it. <laughs> you did, I will say though, in the first two paragraphs, you did warn every reader to get a second cup of coffee. That's I just right. wish I listened to that warning. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, but nonetheless, it was a great article, and that's why we, that's why that's why I wanted to have you back on over here. Um, it was very in depth. I want to just kind of dissect it with you, talk about it a little bit. So for anyone who hasn't read it, we'll post I'll post a link to it um, uh, in the comments over here. But basically, we want to figure out you know what ended up happening to safe and why was it removed from NDA last year? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, let's, 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 let's get into the money of politics. Let's find out where, where the money is going. And, you know, you give us a little bit, a little bit of a snippet of like, you know, how in depth you like to get, which is going to be amazing. Um, let's look at the landscape for 2022. You know, mm -hmm. let's, let's look at the bipartisan house. If safe was to be put on the floor right now, what would happen? Right. So we can dive a little bit deeper uh, into that. And then, you know, we don't like making predictions. We don't like making projections, but the thing with investing is you always have to be looking forward. So we like to make the best guesses that we think could manifest, you know, mm -hmm. uh, given everything that we usually talk about. So let's talk about polls versus reality. Let's look at the midterm. Um, let's look at November's uh, midterm elections and see, you know, maybe, maybe we can make something out of it. And then uh, we can also kind of just do like a little gauge of, I guess that'll give us a good gauge of what 2022 has in store for us. And maybe we look beyond 2023. Sounds great. I, I got to say it's, it's the end of January 22. And it, in some ways it feels like the last three weeks have been going on for six months. So I, when you said, we'll <laughs> see, we'll, you said all of that and then finish with, we'll see what uh, 22 has in store. I was already, I'm already thinking about 2023, but we can, <laughs> we can start first with uh, what happened in 2021, shall we? Yeah, yeah. Let's look at what happened in 2021. I mean, you know, we can I can paint a, just a a, a big um, overarching timeline. But basically, we had safe that was going to pass through a military bill, and it was an amendment that was put in. Uh, and at the very end of December, I mean, I, I don't know how deep you want to get into it. You can go into it, but this is just sort of my recollection of everything that sort of happened. Um, it was like this, like last minute ditch effort to to stick safe in through the NDAA. It gets denied. It goes back. It goes back. Um, gets redrafted. Uh, gets put in as an amendment, and then everybody was thinking, "Hey, this could be a, like a little Christmas tree bill," which means you know there's a big issue that's being happening, and then some some people put their own, you know their own uh, agendas in with it and get mm. an overarching pass, which obviously didn't happen. Um, one thing that we did see though, in the Twitterverse and sentiment more or less just all around the cannabis sector, everybody was saying, Oh my God, safe is going to pass safe is going to pass. Right. So that was right. kind of what uh, Jason, what, what drew you to sort of write this, this, this article, this um, really in-depth piece on how things pass. And so, I mean, with that, I mean, you know, that's my recollection of what happened in 2021. <laughs> um, how about you kick it off and let me know, you know, where do you want to start from? Where do you want to go from? Yeah, well, let's start with this because there may be people listening right now going, you know, do I want to hear the word safe one more time? Do I, you know, I've got PTSD <laughs> from everything that happened. Um, so we're not going to go through it for the purposes of, of really illustrating 
um, the, the, I think you did a really good job of summarizing. The reason I'd like to talk a little bit more in depth about what really and explicitly happened and frame it from the political standpoint is because if we don't understand why it, 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 the year ended legislatively as it did, then we are um, found, we will find ourselves in a position to think that perhaps things could be different in three, six, 12 months. Um, and my hypothesis and you know these things evolve and change, but as I stand here, I do not see a reason to believe it would be different. And so we need to ask ourselves what happened to understand what could potentially happen differently. Right. So looking at last year, uh, exactly what you said, um, for those who, for the, the, for the few that haven't followed that closely, um, a standalone safe bill was deemed sort of dead on arrival uh, by those understanding the political chemistry. If you look at the political makeup of um, Republicans and Democrats on the House side, over 100 Republican House members supported SAFE when it went through. And ostensibly, when you see the leader Pelosi, so again, leadership have almost all of the power. So in order for the SAFE bill to go through the House of Representatives, it needed to be put on the floor for a vote, which uh, Speaker Pelosi, um, she controls the agenda for the floor. So you get this tacit approval of Speaker Pelosi just by allowing the vote. So you have this reasonable expectation that there is a group of bipartisan legislators on the House side that would genuinely be for this. And sure enough, the votes show that. That has, I think, been misunderstood to mean that the Senate would also have a bipartisan support for it. So uh, we'll get into why I don't think that's the case in a moment. But just to, to wrap up the, the process that occurred in December, yes, large-scale bills are always used by members of the regardless of the chamber to include certain amendments for things um mm -hmm. remember the can't remember the number i believe it was over 400 amendments were on the ndaa this year and so very typical practice and i i underscore that because the normalcy of it makes it less uh headline news so the, when i read safe was an amendment and it was included it did not elevate my my blood pressure. It certainly didn't make me think to put more money down. And I think people need to get that piece of the puzzle through. It, it, that was not the big deal. The big deal mm -hmm. would have been anything said by Senator Schumer. So moving forward, then the Senate ended up taking up the House bill. Why the House, then the Senate? Again, whichever chamber is the one where it is more difficult to move it through. Think of it like um, kind of squeezing something through a press and you've got um, templates. The House is a much wider template than the Senate. So no matter how big of a, of a piece of legislation you can move through the House, it's going to be a much smaller piece that can go through the Senate. So the Senate really defines success. And whether there are 60 votes or 100 votes for something, if the Senate leadership, in this case, Senator Schumer, does not favor something, it can come out. So indeed, the Senate ended up taking the House bill and basically stripping all of the amendments, save a few, um, putting it into the Senate bill, I believe it was S-910, and then sending it back to the House side, which, while there was a lot of talk around the conference, if you looked at the broader agenda, and we have voting rights, we've got the Build Back Better, we had um, the debt ceiling, we had the omnibus, which is the budget of the United States of America. We have these enormous things that have to get done before the 31st or Christmas or whenever they want to go home. I understood that that meant the NDAA was not going to go to conference because that just takes up more time. And so when you hear people 
saying it'll go to conference and and the representatives will come and, and put things back in. Um, that's where I knew to take a, a less than positive position on the market. Um, and sure enough, it ended up coming back. And then here's a quick technical thing to make sure people mm -hmm. understand what's at work. The House Rules Committee sees every single bill. So whether it's a post office renaming or it's a budget bill, before they go to the floor, they go from the committee where they're voted on to the Rules Committee. And the Rules Committee creates a rule, uh, which is its own bill. It'll be H res, a resolution with a number. And that basically will be how the bill is voted on. So it sets the you know, 10 minutes of debate for each side, uh, you know, it requires unanimous consent, et cetera. It's quite literally the rules. However, part of their responsibility is also determining which amendments that have been placed by members are germane or eligible for the floor vote. Because Representative Perlmutter is on the Rules Committee, it gives them mm -hmm. a really interesting position to push power. Again, it's all about sources of power. So, uh, Perlmutter is in a position, and he will be this upcoming year, to add the safe amendment to things. And as long as his committee members, Representative McGovern is the chairperson, and then the majority is the Democrats, of course, because that's the party in command of the chamber, they they ostensibly will support him, it seems like, uh, to do this again in the spring or in the summer when he puts it forward. So, so we already can tell that he will put that forward. The issue is when it came back from the Senate and it went back to the Rules Committee, there would have been a standoff. Will they put it back in and force the hand of the Senate to once again consider the bill? It just pings has, and pongs between them. Has that ever happened, though? Because, sorry, you, you just said a lot there and I was jotting some notes on so just Just to recap, right? Um, so when you first saw that SAFE was added to the NDAA, you're like, hey, this isn't even worth reading because, you know, hundreds of amendments get put into these large scale bills you had you 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 just naturally assumed that hey this was not something that was ever going to get uh pushed pushed through right mm. um what you just mentioned right now with Perlmutter and it getting passed and maybe getting challenged back to the senate has that ever happened in the past and how frequently does that happen sure so it does happen but it typically happens when there are different parties in power in each chamber and it it isn't typically I mean, I'm certain it's happened, but it isn't typically one amendment, one small thing being pushed back in mm -hmm. because of one member. So what will happen is if the House has a, let's say, a Republican majority, they create a bill with their priorities. They give it over to the Senate. I mentioned before, whichever chamber is the one that is harder to pass things through is the one that gets the upper hand. Well, that's really only true if both chambers are Democrat or Republican because right. they're working together, Pelosi and Schumer. Right. If it were uh, a Representative McCarthy were speaker, let's say, which is what we think will be the case in December uh, or, or January, then Representative McCarthy with his conference of Republicans, the majority in the House, would create their own NDAA and give it over to the Senate. And they might, for example, they might include SAFE. It might be right. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The Senate when they view the House bill at that point, let's say it's Schumer, well, they're now reviewing basically a contentious party's bill. So they can't simply have their way with it, and they know that. And that's where you would have seen a conference. And so in conference, they actually will hash out what their priorities are. Um, Representative Perlmutter, or a, in this case, a Republican who supported the Safe Banking Act, could have joined in this hypothetical conference and pushed for it. But you're going to have a, a very... Uh, much more, you're going to have more of a conversation around creating a bill together 
mm-hmm. in that environment. In this environment, it was it was a non-starter because Senator Schumer's power is 100-fold what Perlmutter's power is. So to complete that thought, had he had he added it back, um, the process wouldn't simply be I add it and then it goes back. No, he he mm-hmm. would he would share to the floor of his committee, the Rules Committee. I want this amendment in which would mean he would need 51% of that committee to include the amendment. Right off the bat, why would that happen? You, right. you need to ask these questions and understand. Chairman McGovern works with, you know, the, 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 the chairman of the Rules Committee is one of the most powerful members of the House. And so they are very much part of the cadre with Speaker Pelosi and Steny Hoyer, the leadership. Uh, McGovern's one of those top four or five. So he's going to be on the side of Pelosi. We can assume Pelosi understands where Schumer is with CAOA. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, McGovern will look to his colleagues, say, thank you. We'll take a vote. And he will have conferred majority against the amendment being added. It would literally require McGovern to go against Pelosi or to take it a step further. If, if McGovern and Pelosi were on the same side, pro-safe, mm-hmm. it would require Pelosi to be going up against Schumer. That's that's not happening for cannabis. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And and you know what? And and um that's the one thing that um I think a lot of people need to understand. Uh SAFE was an amend was was literally an amendment to the NDA and it was stripped away in the sense that it was just one it was like a casualty, right? Like they said, Hey, that's we're right. getting rid of this many amendments, SAFE was one of them. It wasn't like SAFE was isolated and said, Hey, we don't want this cannabis bill to pass. Let's take it off. So that's true. And when I made my post on Reddit, I had a lot of really um, thoughtful readers who clearly read it very quickly um, and were posting comments. And I appreciate if they're listening, I appreciate the comments because it helps me uh, sharpen my work. Um, What a lot of the comments were about was how Rep Perlmutter did very specifically speak about the issue of SAFE. And and there was kind of this sense that SAFE was very much singled out. And I just want to share, it's not that SAFE was singled out by the Senate. It was the fact that Rep Perlmutter is on the Rules Committee and is given two minutes to speak in a way that hundreds of other members of Congress simply aren't in a position to speak. But if you're a member from Missouri and your, you know, your base closing bill was not the amendment wasn't included, you you yourself might want to spend five minutes talking to the cameras. However, if you're not on a Rules Committee and don't have that opportunity, you wouldn't. So I think yeah. um, it's important to know this is just sort of a symptom of him being in a great position to speak. So, you know, let's talk about that a little bit, right? You know, we, you brought up Perlmutter quite a bit. Um, he's retiring at the end of this year. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it seems given that, you know, he spent that two minutes speaking about safe and he, he did a great job, but it seems pretty clear that, you know, he's doing everything he can possibly to get this passed. Yeah. Right. Now, does that mean that there is, is there anything else that he could do first of all, right? That he hasn't really done it. Does he have any like, you know, tricks up his sleeves, like an ace <laughs> up his sleeve or something that he could kind of pull, uh, pull out and say, Hey, you know, um, you, you, uh, you alluded to a Disney post or, or like a, like a, like a, like a coach giving a pep talk to a Disney team. Right. right, right. Um, you know, d- does, does he have that in him? Can he do so? And if so, you know, like, no, why didn't he do it? Right. Yeah. Well, that's the question that I've asked is if, if so, then why, why not yet? Um, so look again, trying to be objective, I don't know uh, if, and this is sort of the House of Cards versus the West Wing. I don't know if he has a, you know, a, a photograph of Senator Schumer doing something <laughs> terrible, right, or a, 
a bloody glove or something. But let's, yeah, exactly. Maybe he drove the getaway car. That's right? exactly right. And, yeah. and, and he's going to pull that favor in. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I think if we're realistic about it and think about people and you think about politicians from the perspective of what is their motivation? Well, their motivation is their voting base if they're running. If they're not running, what is their motivation? Well, it could be altruistic. He believes in safe banking. He believes in the value. I think that's true. I do think he has um, come to, I mean, it's been years of this work. This is important to him. I also think as a representative from Colorado and someone who's you know, very much involved in the industry, um, and in no way, shape or form is this meant to be um, a criticism, but I don't think it would be surprising if in two or three years or, or even one year, um, Representative uh, Perlmutter would be announced to be one of the you know, better paid and more uh, capable lobbyists and advocates on the Hill for the cannabis industry. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think uh, if you're going to be aiming for that next career goal, uh, what better way to get there than to make sure that you leave it all on the field? I'm sure there are many people who live in his district who would say, safe banking, I don't, you know, never heard of her, right? Safe banking mm -hmm. isn't important to me. Uh, I care about maybe tax reform or immigration or, and they might think, why is my representative caring this much about this issue? Uh, right. This shows his, his, his passion is clearly for the sector. And that's fine. That's a great, that's how the system works. But I think you need to ask yourself, does that give him an extra hammer or nail in the back of his pocket? No, it doesn't. And does it change the landscape of Senator Schumer's position, who, of course, controls the uh, the final pull of the lever? And the answer at this moment is no. There's there's no call that Blumenauer, I'm sorry, not Blumenauer, but Perlmutter can make uh, to Senator Schumer's office and, and change his mind, at least that we have a reason to believe exists yet and that's in either pre or post retirement like it's not like hey he's got this nail and hammer in his back pocket but he can only use it post retirement when he's got nothing to lose yeah at the end of the day and and this is another thing if you were to i i mentioned to you when we were preparing i had made for my my last post a uh, mm -hmm. chart sort of a start here and is this true is this not true and follow it and you ended up looking like that meme with Charlie Day. That's exactly pointing. right. <laughs> so so uh, Sylvia Pepe, it's one of my favorites, actually. Uh, I yeah. refer to that a lot. For those of you not uh, aware, go go check it out from uh, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> but yes, the the conspiracy concept, I started creating this idea of, well, if these things happen, you know, how does the pipeline look different? Um, and at the end of the day, it's it's actually painfully simple. If Chuck Schumer is telling you that banking does not happen before comprehensive, and since he does, in fact, control the floor vote, if that does not change, then there is nothing that anyone else can do uh, short of having him be recalled and then replaced in the next six months, uh, <laughs> which is not going to happen, uh, to change it. So the question then becomes, uh, is, there, is there a path forward for, for cannabis legislation beyond that? Gotcha. And the other thing, you know, we talked about this last time was that if that, let's say, if the bill was to change that drastically, it would be a completely different bill with a lot more moving parts, right? That's it right. It wouldn't be just a capital markets access or capital markets bill. Yeah. And, you know, as I'm saying it, I want to make sure to put the sort of the final point on, on the process. In a world where um, it's, let's say, the appropriations bill or uh, the continuing resolution, and let's say it's this spring it starts and it gets added as an amendment. Remember, 
the meat of work is done in the fall. So in March, maybe the De Department of Transportation Appropriations Bill, that was one of the ones I worked on, um, that bill might be drafted in the House in March, it might get passed through committee in April. By June, it might finish up the House side. Um, the Senate might not pick up that bill until September. They might not pick it up at all, which is what happened with NDAA. They simply used the Senate version. Um, so when people, I, I think it was the CEO, Boris Johnson, came on and spoke and, and um, nothing but respect for, for him, especially for doing as much public talking as he does. Uh, sorry, Boris Jordan. I'm sorry. Thank you. There it is. <laughs> I was like, um, wait, wait, Boris Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and he was speaking about spring. Um, there isn't really a reason, just as someone who's, this is just an annual calendar you can follow. Um, the, uh, the spring uh, CRs and, and appropriations bills do typically move in the fall. And in the fall is typically when they start bashing them together into very large Christmas trees or omnibuses or megabuses. Mm -hmm. So I think if you're thinking Q1, Q2, it's, it's a little premature just to see this action again. But again, if it does come all the way full circle, it gets added, it gets removed. Um, the only two pressure points you could look for would be, would it not be removed? Now, why would Senator Schumer not remove it? He has the ability and he said he would. So I don't see why he would. If he does and sends it back, uh, would, would Perlmutter have the ability to add it and send it back? I, I, until either of those equations look different, which they don't, um, I say we end up going through the year without safe passing as an amendment. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and you know what? Yeah, you've been you've been pretty vocal about, about saying that. So that, that shouldn't come as a shock to anybody. Um, <laughs> how, how, how about this? So, you know, we've, we've talked about Perlmutter um, and what he what he, everything he has done. The fact that, you know, he might not really have this, you know, ace up his sleeve that he can he can pull out. Cause it's not like the movies. Um, let's talk about this. Let, let's say safe right now goes on the floor. Like literally Monday morning, we wake up, safe's on the floor. Can it pass? Like, does it have the votes that it can pass? Because a lot of people originally on Twitter were saying, yes, it can pass. I can easily get the 60 votes. And they were doing all, and they, and they were pointing to a whole bunch of, you know, back the napkin math that, that they were alluding to. You in your post explicitly said, no, it can't. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, could you elaborate on that? And like, why did you, or how did you come, come, come up with that conclusion? Sure. And, and again, just like with the opening, I, I want to be clear, there's a reason to talk through these things uh, for process, because I think, I think most people now would agree that uh, whether it's not just not going to happen or not, uh, it's, it's moot, right? This isn't, yeah. Schumer isn't going to, but I think there's something to it. If SAFE could pass, let's just say there was strong confidence SAFE by itself could pass, then the question of is Senator Schumer gettable could he believe in banking or could he create a banking bill that included, some people refer to it as safe plus, um, I'll call it, I'll call or it safe light, safe light, right? I'll, I'll call it CAOA minus because it's, <laughs> it's going to be Schumer's bill. It's got to be his bill, right? Um, but the point is, if, if you could get him to say the banking bill is important, this is critical stuff for New York, it's critical stuff for the United States. And we know we can pass it. So I'm going to reach across the aisle and try to get 30% more language in there for equity and social justice. And then I'm going to put it on the floor. Well, now we're talking about nuts and bolts. We're talking about getting something done. So the question is, if Senator Schumer thinks like I do, that there, there isn't a, a path forward in the first place just for SAFE alone, well, then he doesn't have to think in terms of a SAFE banking bill plus. So the reason I think that there isn't necessarily the 60 vote threshold or the 
the, depending on how you think of it, the 51 vote threshold is to go through the members. Um, we know that there are conservative members of Congress or the Senate who absolutely would favor capital markets access, um, the, the types of things that safe banking does for the industry. We also know that there are many members of the Republican Party who, for them, cannabis is a non-starter, whether it's about uh, social values or whether it's about drug war and their old you know, perspectives on it, whatever it might be, we know that the numbers aren't 100% of Republicans. And so the question mm -hmm. becomes, how many? So let's start with the math. You need 50 Democrats and 10 Republicans to get the filibuster to be overcome. And why is that important? Because if there's just one member, be it a conservative Republican or be it Senator Booker, right? Cory Booker says, over my dead body, right? This is going to move. Well, any one member of the Senate, no matter how many others are in favor of something, up to 60, can anonymously filibuster the bill endlessly. So right off the bat, if you don't have 60 votes, you don't have 51 votes. And so because of that, we know we need 50 and 10. But then how many Democrats do we actually have? We know we don't have at the moment Schumer and Booker, probably Wyden, possibly many other Democrats on the progressive side would say, if I don't have a um, comprehensive bill or something more comprehensive with social justice. So let's say mm -hmm. that's 20 or 25 members of the Democratic caucus. Well, now you need to find those votes on the Republican side. I don't know that we have 20 or 30 Republicans who would vote for safe banking. So it's hey, you. Go ahead. Sorry, yeah, to, to, to just sort of ask a question here. Um, you know, you also mentioned this in your post as well. A lot of people allude to the fact that a lot of Republican states have have switched, right? They've either they have some sort of cannabis program, whether it be medical, whether it be uh, a form of adult use. Um, do you factor that at all into swaying Republicans? Because you can start making the, the argument now that, you know, these Republican states are being represented by members of uh, the Republican Party, more or less, and they they see the benefits from legalizing cannabis, whether it's tax dollars, what, whatever the reasons are uh, mm -hmm. in their in their home state. Yeah, I think that comes back down to the conversation of politics versus um, policy. So if you are a senator, let's say you're Senator Marco Rubio from Florida, you obviously have a very strong medical cannabis industry in your state, and you would expect that he would be very much a supporter of the safe banking sort of framework, the concept. Um, and I want to be clear because I like to be as, as thoughtful as I can. I, he may or may not have made a very specific comment at one point about this. So I, I don't mm -hmm. want to say that I know for sure. But he is up for re-election in November, and he is himself a, um, a, a family values conservative. So it would make sense that if in Florida, safe banking, let's say, would get him, I don't know, 3% more votes, because it's an industry bill. Remember that. This is not about making marijuana legal for recreational use nationally or decriminalizing it. The number of people that are impacted by safe banking, and by impacted, I mean they benefit in a way that they would pull the lever for whoever said, I did it, I supported this, is very, very small. And so if you take the number of states that have either medical or recreational and take multiply it by two for all the senators, then you're doing fuzzy math. Because just because they have the industry in their backyard, one, it doesn't mean that they were even in favor of the industry in the first place. They could be very much against it being uh, in their in their state. Um, or even if they support the industry, uh, they might know that the majority of their base who vote for them don't. 
and I want to be clear, we know this, people are hypocritical. And so they might, there might be people out there who smoke cannabis and they themselves would stay, would say out loud to a pollster that I'm not going to vote for someone who supports, you know, something that moves this industry. It, it's a, it's a weird world, but cannabis is not a top 10 issue for most Senate senators running for election. So uh, I don't think you can combine the access in a state to the number of people who would vote yay for, for any bill related to cannabis. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and you know what, that I, th- I think you, you when you preface your, uh, your statement there by saying it's politics versus policy, right? Um, I was going to be like, well, what do you mean by that? But you, you did a great job explaining it. And uh, th- that that's true, right? Just because somebody does believe in cannabis, they could, they could be a consumer of the product. Um, they might not support it. Right. And that's right. <laughs> yeah. You never know with, 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 with a lot of these conspiracy theories too. <laughs> that's right. And, and at the end of the day, um, where the, where the votes are, I, I think I had someone um, kind of push back on me in one of the comments, and I liked it. Uh, you know, they were saying, "Well, if if you had to wait for people to say where they stood on a bill before you pushed it forward, then you'd never get anything done." And I, I, I agree. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. The, one yeah. of the reasons why Senator Schumer last week, just just last week, he put forward the voting rights bill. It did not garner the votes necessary uh, to change the filibuster rules on it. He uh, was a bit attacked for you know putting a bill forward that he knew he was going to lose, but he said, "I want to get it on record," and that's the point. Is right now we don't have sixty votes. I'll say this to anyone out there who wants to be an amateur lobbyist or is calling senators. We, we got a bunch of people to get into that last fall. Um, find ten Republicans, or, or make it safe, twelve or thirteen Republicans who have said on some press release that they would support safe banking standalone in the Senate. And then find, you know, 40, 47 Democrats and you've got your 60 and send that memo to Senator Schumer's staff and show them. Because I, I, don't, I don't think yet there's any reason for Senator Schumer to stick his neck out against right. social justice without the Republican support being clear. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, 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 that, and that, that kind of makes sense, right? The Washington way is to not take any risks on things that... Uh, unless if it's a guaranteed win. Unless much. it's a guaranteed win. You don't yeah. take your shot. Yeah, exactly, and and you know that that's like anywhere, so that that kind of makes sense. What about um, what about a filibuster? Yeah, so we we're watching the conversation around filibuster reform. Um, unfortunately, it is going uh, exactly nowhere, um, which I guess you could have also predicted. <laughs> which is, yeah, <laughs> filibuster. <laughs> that's right. There it is. Yeah. It's it's a uh, it's it's a system, and a buddy of mine wrote an op-ed that's circulating. I'll see if we can get it into the the notes. Um, the history of the filibuster is fantastic. He, he's a history uh, PhD, so he actually is talking about it from the founding fathers' original purposes. But um, at the end of the day, uh, where we stand is, again, what's important is the power of one, just one member. So in a world where um, you need 60 votes, and in this case, that means Republicans and Democrats in favor of closing, it's called cloture motion, closing debate to then talk, you know, to move forward the bill where you only then need 51. Um, In order to get there, you need this filibuster to not exist. When the filibuster exists, you just need one person holding out. So Senator Schumer says, never mind, we'll move safe banking. We got 20 Republicans, we got 40 Democrats, it's all good. And Cory Booker, anonymously, this is how it works, look it up, the anonymous filibuster, uh, all he has to do is, is have a note brought to the, um, to the floor that says that I, I'm a senator holding this bill, and that's it. And so it doesn't move forward. And so it, you could actually get members to say, I'm in favor of this, and then behind the scenes actually hold it. Um, 
so it, it's going nowhere without the filibuster. Again, we're talking safe. Uh, but that's also true for the CAOA. And I want to be clear, not just CAOA, but also the idea of a compromise representative mace and Senator Schumer bill, which if for any number of reasons going across the chambers, that's not how these things work. But when I say the Republicans and Democrats are often seen as the two teams in Washington, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. there's an old story that you know, people think of sort of the Republicans as the enemy if you're the Democrats and vice versa. Um, and that it used to be that getting something passed was the goal of Congress, not politics. And so the House saw the Senate as the enemy and vice versa. And okay. so if you think about it, Mitch McConnell and Representative Mace are not, you know, they're not having cognac at the end of the night and sipping and, you know, smoking cigars, talking through these things. Uh, they're miles apart. Uh, and remember, she put her bill forward and then her own party uh, at home in South Carolina passed a resolution saying that we support nothing related to cannabis progress and Representative Mace does not uphold the views of the Republican Party of South Carolina. So um, the idea that these individual bills are things that are going to move on deck, you know, in the next six months are, are, are unlikely. But if there was movement and there was a compromise bill of any sort where we got little bits of the pieces, I think that's what everyone, everyone listening wants. They don't, they don't need safe banking to just go alone. They, we all believe in um, the social justice imperative of cannabis. That's part Absolutely. of the story. But they want to see something logical. They want to see one plus one equal two. And I think the idea of building a bill is what they want the, the, the Senate and the House to do. But with the filibuster intact, it doesn't matter how much work you put into it. It's not going to go anywhere. So that's all by way of saying um, Senator Schumer is going to focus on his priorities for 2022 and cannabis. While very much something he cares about, he just can't put time into something if it's not going to go anywhere. Gotcha. And that makes sense. And that's kind of exactly, you know, we, we talked about, you know, what's changed since you've last come on. And what I wanted to say was a lot's changed, but a lot has stayed the same. And that's what you just said right there is exactly what stayed the same, right? Um, there isn't enough meat on the bones for safe to get past as it is right now, because there's no social, there's no social equity component to it. That's right. right? Um, so, you know, what, what does that mean for us in this sector today? So I try not to talk too much about the um, the investment thesis in relation to politics, but I, I did want to go into this a little bit with you because mm -hmm. um, I, I made it clear someone had asked what I what my moves I made, and um, I, again transparency is important. So I definitely reduced exposure into the fall after the August recess, and I, I did put on a few puts um, going into December, which were, were painful, you know, sort of from the thesis of what I believe in. Um, but I had to, you know, do, do right by my portfolio. Um, right. <laughs> looking at the year ahead, yeah. uh, I would say a year from now, if, if MSOS, which I think some people use as a barometer, if it was roughly where it is right now, I, I think that's very possible. I, I think drawdowns could be occurring. I think we could, we're going to drift. I think what's interesting for traders is I think there'll be movements throughout the year on these pieces of news, right? So the, the Perlmutter Amendment gets added to you know, the CR in, in April. It pops 20% over three days. I, I think we could see that. Um, you know, Schumer says, I'm going to bring up a CAOA in June or, or April 20th, let's say, for the sake mm -hmm. of it. Uh, I think pops will occur. I think they will do what they did all of last year, which would be followed by a, just a slow drift downward back to the meet, you know, to the norm. Um, and I think that's just because the long-term federal landscape does not look good. Um, 
whether or not other states coming online, Ohio, Pennsylvania, um, you know, the various options in November, I think November is going to be an exciting time to trade in the industry as well. But at the end of the day, the, the asymmetry of investors before institutions, that big, um, the big movement the we're all waiting for. We're all, yeah, the re-rating we're all hoping for, yeah. It, we, you know, I've been saying it since my first message to you guys a year ago. Um, it's contingent upon uplisting, which is contingent upon, uh, you know, the capital access to markets, which is contingent upon Senator Schumer. So follow the dominoes, don't follow the money. And they, <laughs> they point at this moment to uh, a stalemate. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, you know, it, it's interesting because um, I used to get caught up in the hype of, you know, political re-ratings, uh, uplisting, all that, right? And we've been burnt so many times, like time after time after time. So like, you know, the last little bit I've started looking at uh, and um, we, we did an episode on this last week, actually, which was, you know, nothing has changed, right? Not much has changed. So it's like, what do you, how do you play your portfolio given that every catalyst that we've ever had, uh, for, for cannabis. One was safe, right? That was mm -hmm. the capital access with the uplisting. Then there was federal legalization, which we're assuming would remove interstate commerce. The, those two don't necessarily go hand in hand the more and more I look at it. Um, but let's just assume, assume that happens, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's like, that's like, like liberation day for us. That's when all of our hard work, you know, hopefully we get, we, we, we front run the institutions, we get this nice pop, um, and we back quality companies. Right. That's something we've been working on for the last, what, three, four years. Hasn't happened yet. It's not to say it's not going to happen, but, you know, I've Jason after talking to you, the reality is the chances of it happening this year are pretty, are fairly unlikely. Right. Yeah. Um, and so with that, I mean, clearly you're still a believer in the sector, right? Mm -hmm. Even without those short term catalysts. So obviously there are certain companies and uh, names that you that, that you that you've liked, and I'm assuming you know they're high quality names, low low debt on the balance sheet, if any, high cash positions, no burns if they're not profitable. Uh, hopefully most of them are profitable, and probably in states with limited licenses where there's some sort of growth traje trajectory, right? That's pretty right, safe that's right. to say I'd say a lot of cannabis investors now sort of use that thesis when when investing in cannabis. Mm -hmm. Um, my thing, I guess my, my question is let's assume none of this stuff happens. And, and, you know, you said it the best, you, this was a question that you asked that has, I've been thinking about more and more. Um, let's just assume that we have these billion dollar companies that are very, very, very well run. They should be, they should be, uh, trading at much higher multiples. They're some of the best CEOs, best management teams we've seen. They've built incredible brands, these great moats, uh, to protect protect their business. What if they never graduate from the OTC to the NASDAQ or to the NICE or, or any major senior exchange, you know? Has your thought, Jason, sort of changed on that? Like have you sort of revisited that question? Have you sort of looked at it? Like have you made any changes to your portfolio? Because I know last year when all the safe stuff was 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 um sort of fueling the Twitterverse, I'd message you every now and then and you you know you'd you'd always just reassure me that, hey, like listen, this is just hype. Like let's just stick back to what we know right yeah yeah um and this is uh yeah this is something i've been sort of grappling with the last uh, month or so so where i've landed is actually sort of where a lot of the, the money managers in the broader markets are starting to to talk which is um you know, how much how much is is left in the bloodletting right we we haven't talked about the broader markets they're obviously yeah um, pretty terrifying for some people um yeah. and you know i think 
there's very strong reasons to believe that the S the S and P and the Nasdaq and, and all the major exchanges and large index funds, et cetera, that there's a lot more downside potentially uh, coming. Um, even if it's just another, you know, maybe four or five percent in some of the broad indexes, and then um, some sta sta stability. But what a lot of people are also saying is you don't need to be the first ones back in. And I, I have started to think that way. So what I'm doing and what I, I think just makes a lot of sense, you know, I, I'm pretty confident and maybe this is because of my political acumen, but I, I think if you've read my posts, if you start to, to develop this perspective, you would have it too. I think there's going to be writing on the wall and we're not going to be surprised by the information uh, that something has changed in that that domino that I was describing. So yes, it is possible that one day you wake up and you hear Senator Schumer say, I give, I believe in banking first, let's get a win, I care about this. That day, uh, you know, you or I could, you know, throw a bunch of numbers out there, but it's, it's a 10% pop, a 15% pop, something of course will occur. Mm -hmm. But I got to tell you, if I buy two hours after I see that Politico report, six months later, I've still made a lot of money. A lot of money. Yeah, right? that's if, true. Yeah. If the uplisting happens, if the the institutions can't buy because Senator Schumer announces a press release, and so retail probably low to mid volume pops that that occur. Remember what happened with Rep Mace? I would say take a look at that scenario and 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 remember it. it the I think MSOS went from twenty five to thirty three in two or three trading days. If you bought on the way up in those two or three trading days, you would have gotten it somewhere maybe around thirty dollars. Well, if that was not Rep Mace, if that was Senator Schumer, then $30 on MSOS when we have uplisting, you know, you're you're better at this than I, but could we see 50, 75, 100? Sure, of course we could. Maybe in the in the exuberance of the moment and the overbuying it could be much higher. So if I buy it Well, 30, well the timeline matters a lot too, right? You said it the best. You don't you don't necessarily you don't need to get in there within the next 2 hours of the announcements. That's right. And I think people who bought in this past year, or even if you bought in the last you know, two or three years and you've just watched the last year, you've seen that timing can go both ways. Um, so I would, where I am is I believe in the, the top operators for sure. Um, I, think we, I think we're going to see the, the tier threes get bought up. I think mm -hmm. it's going to be over the next couple of years, we're going to see the tier ones just become you know, they're going to redefine what tier one means. They're going to truly be the, the big, the Anheuser-Busch's of, um, or the InBev's of this world. And then one day, one Senate leadership or, or president will say that they're in favor of moving something along the lines of safe. It might be called something different at the time. And yeah, you might miss the first 15, 25%, but I guarantee you'll get the next 50 to 200% if, that's, mm -hmm. if that occurs the way we predict. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, it, it's true. It's true. It's it, it's very well said. Um, and this goes into the, to, to another question that um, comes from your from from your post. And you you had this thing called the political tests, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, we talked about it. We talked about it already. But the house, like the 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 votes and whatnot. But you had a headline test that was in there. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was a part of my idea around. Uh, and if you have you know, take out a piece of paper and write down what you think it would take to get something like safe moved. And so, right. you know, you can look at your civics book and you can figure how a bill becomes a law. Well, then add a couple of dimensions to that. So if, if a bill becomes a law by passing it in both the House and the Senate, okay, that's, that's the elementary version. Well, the question is, so what's the political test? Um, and the political test is, 
do in this in this case, do democratic leaderships believe in um, passing something for for the purposes of either their political gain or a policy win based on their agenda? And in the House side, I said this earlier tonight, but or today, um, Speaker Pelosi has to accept and allow that bill to move forward. So here's the thing. Senator Schumer is already going to say no to it. If Senator Schumer yeah. is going to say no to it, Pelosi, of course, knows this. This is not a surprise to her. So why would she allow something to pass knowing it's going to fail? Because that allows her membership, her caucus, which is much more progressive in the, in the Democratic Party, to go home and talk about their win. And they can say the Senate is obstructionist, right? They can blame the other side. So that politics will change when November comes and a new party potentially takes over. The question will then be, let's say it changes, if it's Speaker McCarthy, um, mm -hmm. the question will be, do the Republicans in the House, who just six months earlier passed SAFE, you know, with 100 votes, do they uh, want to pass SAFE as leadership now? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if 107 Republicans voted for SAFE, well, you need, um, you know, it's 435 members, so you need 218 votes. So if you only have 100 and let's say 110 or 115 from the Republican side, would you pass a bill through the through the House with majority Democrats if you're a Republican? There's actually a, a, a political rule around this, which is you do not pass anything in your chamber uh, unless you have, I think it's two thirds of the of the majority vote is in your party. So if uh, you have 110 Republicans in the House, then you actually wouldn't have enough to pass safe. And so going to November and beyond, which I think we'd like to get to in, the, in our conversation today, uh, a Speaker McCarthy and a leader McConnell is not going to be a capital market slam dunk. And I think there's a real danger in um, people misunderstanding that the Democrats are failing at this. I think both sides are incapable of passing it. I think the mm -hmm. Democrats are less incapable. <laughs> Um, but I, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the same. And I know I come across a politically one-sided or not one-sided, but I definitely have had people accuse me of, of attacking Republicans. I just want to be clear. Uh, both sides are absolutely, uh, dysfunctional. Um, I simply think that when the Democrats say we care about social justice and that's what we're going to stand for, uh, you may disagree with that, or you might think it's a misstep, but you're not the Senator from New York. So you don't, have anything to say besides a tweet and he's standing by his uh, position. Mm -hmm, so that's, mm -hmm. that's something, but I don't see it getting any better in November uh, with regards to the political change. And you can use yeah. a political test. You can use a, a practical test. Um, are there, you know, are there actual members who will vote for this? That was my question on the Senate. I right. don't believe the practical test would be passed. Um, and then there's also the public opinion test. Uh, do not, misunderstand when 70% of people in a USA Today poll say they are in favor of decriminalizing cannabis, that that means that therefore there are 70, you know, if, if uh, President Biden is at 38% approval, and 70% are in favor of cannabis, people think, well, if he just decriminalized it with the stroke of a pen, he'd be the most popular president ever. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, that would not, that's not how this works. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And you, you know what I really liked about um, when you talked about these political tests and, you know, we, we've talked about it twice here already on this podcast or, or, or in this episode, um, think of the headlines that would start to sort of come out if these were, if, if all, if everything that you just outlined right there, 
was to come out. It would be more than just one headline saying, hey, SAFE is an amendment to NDAA, mm-hmm. right? It would be all over everything. It'd be over CNBC, Bloomberg, Reddit, um, every business news that you could possibly think of. They'll be over like uh, political uh, papers as well. There would be a lot more commotion on SAFE passing. You know, would you, would, like, wouldn't you agree with that? I would. And, and actually, I'm glad you said it the way you did, because uh, someone asked me in a couple of posts ago about what I listen to, you know, podcasts and things to, to learn about these things. And um, I, I listen to a lot of political podcasts, but you mentioned Bloomberg. And, you know, the only place in the last year I've really seen references to the MSOs and cannabis and people will laugh because it's it, it, typically people think the inverse of this, but it's it's been CNBC and Yahoo Finance and Bloomberg mm-hmm. with very occasional and sporadic articles. But but that's where I've seen journalism about it, besides maybe yeah. Politico. Um, what you need to do is, so one I listen to is the, the NPR Politics Podcast. It's a daily 20-minute review of politics. And if you, if you listen to it every day, what you'll get is really the highlights from Washington. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you whether it was Representative Mace's bill, whether it was the comprehensive bill last July, whether it was safe. I don't think I heard them talk about cannabis ever in the daily podcast around uh, politics, except when very early on in his tenure, uh, President Biden had some of those staff members yeah. uh, fired. So I would recommend actually focus on the, the broadest sense, you know, the, the cover of USA Today, if you will, if it's on there then it's the kind of thing that shows real movements happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the more niche you get, the well, think of our podcast, you know, your, your podcast yeah. right here. This is a niche as it gets, and we're talking about it for an hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, no, it's because, it's you know, I've, I've been dissecting your piece for, for quite some time, and I loved how methodical and thought out you were about it, right? Thank you, yeah. Um, it's, it's just a, it's a very long way of simply saying there's a couple of steps between here and there, it's not very far to get there, but until the, the gatekeepers open up, it's it's black and white and impossible. So if you're investing, yeah. you know that. Yeah, and exactly. And and one thing, you know, you, you talked about it here is that a lot of us, because we spend so much time in cannabis, we go to these little niche media outlets and we follow certain personalities on Twitter. And if you see that aspect, like, like that that community sort of be like, yeah, safe is going to pass or there, there's some big political movement happening and you don't see it anywhere else that's a good barometer right that's what i took from our conversations mostly mm. was i would gauge the sentiment on what i would hear in twitter see on reddit uh and then i would just go and like you know look at cnbc or look at bloomberg and be like hey no one's mentioning anything of of safe passing right yeah. um and it would be if, if that was going to happen it would be something a lot more meaningful i'm not saying that's the best barometer to use but it's just something that like kind of helped me get away from that hype train it's useful. Like, it's useful. Yeah. And I, I would say, um, you know, there's a lot of great, uh, there's a lot of great talking heads on, on Twitter and people who I, I really appreciate what they, how much time they put into this work. Um, I, I like reading a lot of what I see. A lot of it's challenging as someone who has my experience, but I would say this again, I, I want to give tools to listeners. If you're reading something that someone posts, like uh, someone indicating maybe that they take meetings in Washington or they've you know come just came back from the hill or something like that, um, <laughs> I think it's reasonable to 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 reply and, and just ask you know tell us more you know um, if if you're here's the difference if you're meeting with five or six Republicans on the House side who already voted for safe and are already in your wheelhouse and your meeting is a basically a a nice conversation around the issue. They agree. Maybe they brought one new member to talk. Um, you're not doing the work. 
you're not actually moving the needle where the gatekeeper is. So if if they instead were to say, you know, this coalition of advisors just met with the legislative advisor for Senator Schumer, and we talked thoroughly about how how banking reform could be useful in social justice, and that person actually is going to be taking that to the leader and talking with him about it. You know, again, that isn't necessarily a slam dunk, but that is a conversation of merit and value. Um, the conversations that individuals often have, I, again, I've been both on the Hill and, and an advocate, you, you shore up your base. So I was going to the same members all the time who were already in favor and just making sure that they supported me and, and to be candid, using up hours of time sometimes because you had to just kind of keep going. Um, but the real hard work is moving those members that are no's to yays. Mm -hmm. And if someone is saying we're doing the work, um, ask, what does that yeah, look like? Yeah, be inquisitive. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah, be inquisitive about the work. And you said it right there and then. It's uh, If those meetings were just more or less to confirm information that you already had, then you know, you're just sort of fueling your own confirmation bias, which which could be really bad. That's right. And and there's a lot of work to be done. We, we talked at the beginning about it, but if, if you aren't spending the money, um, there's a, the question is, why why isn't Cure Relief or, or Truly spending more? Is it because of holding on margins? Is it about business plans? Or um, if you want a conspiracy, this is a good thing to ask at the quarterly, you know, the, the calls for, for the reports. I would I would ask, uh, you know, are, is there an interest in keeping that moat for longer? That's, that's yeah. actually meant to be uh, upheld. In other words, are you doing things to almost keep the moat where it is uh, because of the fact that you'll be able to buy up tier threes and grow for longer? I, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's a terrible business model, but it really hurts the retail investor. For sure, for sure, and you know that that conspiracy's been thrown out quite a few times, right? I've I've, <laughs> I've heard it a lot where you know truly even um, truly specifically, they're saying, oh, she really wants, she doesn't want interstate commerce, or else her business will fold overnight. Um, and and you do hear that, and sometimes you do you you, you do want to know where their thoughts are. And you know um, that website, we'll post a link to it again. I think it was called allsecrets.org or something. Uh, or? Open secrets. Opensecrets.org. Yeah, what a name, eh? What a name yeah. for the website. <laughs> Uh, well, got every bit of data from every sector. You can look at how much Walmart and, and Amazon put forward, and you know, spoiler alert, it's it's a lot. Um, <laughs> so I think I think no, uh, that's not their phone number. That's their contract. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. One point eight billion. Um, oh my god! And I I think uh, I, I really hope if you're a listener out there that you're you're reading my posts and things. I hope what you do is you just keep digging into the information and using that to fuel due diligence is not just reading the financials. It's got to be in this particular sector. It's got to be learning about politics. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, Jason, this was a great episode. I think this we we knocked off everything plus more on that agenda. Um, you know, there was a lot to take away from it. Uh, if there is there anything, any final words that you want to leave our listeners with? I know we, I know we covered a lot, um, but if there's anything that you want to say, you know. <laughs> speak now. Yeah, no, just as, as a former staff member um, and someone who who's seen the dysfunction but believes in, in the, the process of a lot of the good people that work there, um, you know, uh, we all we are here as advocates for this to, to push and support. So keep doing the phone calls if you want to be involved, keep reading and researching. Um, I know this is a you know, yelling into the storm, but fighting and, and, and arguing on, on Twitter um, it, it, I, I can guarantee it's certainly not going to move the needle and it, it really only just makes a lot of people turned off from this industry. So let's, let's make this a productive conversation around how we can uh, get rid of something that has 
created inequities in, in communities of our, of our country for, for hundreds of years. Um, and at the same time, uh, really open access for capital markets for companies that need to thrive. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you said it, you, you said it there very well stated. Um, and guys, thank you so much again for listening. Again, it's uh, CIN podcast at gmail.com. If you guys have any questions, um, if you have any questions for, for Jason, you know, we usually tag Jason, we put, we put your Reddit handle there. So, um, feel free to flood his DMS, even if you just need, uh, your car moved in Cleveland, you know, he'll come there with a shovel. That's right. Wait for me. <laughs> thanks, Abby. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jason, for coming on here. Um, and thank you guys all for listening. So until next time. This podcast is a general communication and entertainment being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, feature, or other purposes. Any examples used in this podcast are generic, hypothetical, and for entertainment purposes only. None of Cannabis Investing Network or its affiliates are suggesting that the listener or any other person take a specific course of action or any action at all. Communications such as this are not impartial and are provided in connection with advertising and marketing of products and services. Prior to making any investment or financial decision, an investor should seek individualized advice from, from a personal financial, legal, tax, and other professional advisor that take into account all of the particular facts and circumstances for an investor's own situation. By listening to this communication, you agree with the intended purpose described earlier. Opinions and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice. We believe the information provided here is reliable, but should not be assumed to be accurate or complete. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for all investors.